0: One of the big questions that often comes up throughout the greater Pittsburgh area, but certainly uh, in the Mon Valley area, in the Keysport, Braddock, Homestead, is about economic development, about how to attract economic development, how to make sure that it's sustainable, specifically in real estate development, because there are a lot of areas uh, up and down the Mon Valley where there are a lot of vacant properties and people say, well, how can we attract New businesses here? How can we attract residents here? How can we attract industry here? Macy Kieslinski has been working in this field in the Pittsburgh area for more than 20 years now. He's currently a vice president at Alliant Capital, and that's what we're going to ask him about is some of the work that he has done both in the public sector at the Urban Redevelopment Authority of Pittsburgh back in the day and in the private sector. Good morning, Macy. Good morning. How are you? Good. You are a native Pittsburgher, not just native Pittsburgher, but you're a native Greenfielder, correct? That's correct, Okay. Uh, how, how did you come to get into uh, economic development? That was not your first career path, was it?
1: No, no. Yeah, I, I uh, spent time at the University of Pittsburgh in the School of Social Work, graduate school. And originally, um, I was going to be a teacher, and then I thought I'd be a social worker. And I got exposed to community development through the Bloomfield Garfield Corporation uh, under the tutelage of Rick Schwartz and Aggie Rose. <coughs> you know, I would say back in 1997, and it's one of those things where, you know, we sort of expose to something, you say, hey, that's kind of cool, and that's sort of what happened to me, and so I've been doing it ever since.
0: What attracted you to it? Because there are easier ways to make a living than than what you do, which is often affordable housing um, uh, developments throughout western Pennsylvania, or do you work nationally as well now?
1: I do work nationally, okay. um, and I have worked nationally. I think you know what attracted me to it is it's not easy. Um, it's, it's 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 these are difficult problems um, with no sure fired sure fired solution, and I feel like uh, you know I I was at that point. It's like well you know not everybody does this, and it's you know I I'm very candid. I mean. Uh, it was just hey, it's just cool. This helps mm-hmm. you know, help somebody buy a house. That's where I originally started I was doing home finance. Uh, and I was like, Wow, this is great, you know, this is you know, we're, we're providing you know loan composing folks the opportunity to buy a home, build equity and, you know, sort of live out their American dream. Uh, at least when American dream
0: Listen. yeah we've 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 had Steve Bucklew from the McKeesport Sport Housing Authority on this program before and and one of the things I asked him to kind of define is that there's a lot of confusion in people's minds, and some of that I think is intentionally sown sometimes by different politicians, but there's a lot of confusion as to what affordable housing is are are we talking necessarily about publicly subsidized housing projects or are we talking about the the sort of traditional housing authority model that people might be familiar with from the allegheny county housing authority or the mckeesport housing authority what is what is affordable housing how do we define uh, uh, that it,
1: it, it takes all shape it's not you know yes you can define for one form of affordable housing is subsidized housing through you know, the mckeesport housing authority or the allegheny county housing authority the housing authority of the city of pittsburgh mm-hmm. so that's one type You have naturally occurring affordable housing where you would go into any town and you find an apartment building and, you know, it may not be the the beauty queen, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, And... You no, know, and their rent there seems to might be lower, so that's naturally occurring affordable housing. And then you have low income housing tax credits. This is properties that uh, are financed by the low income housing tax credit program. This is what I basically do right now. We, we buy those credits, uh, and then the, the deal is the state gives credits to a project, and in turn, the project has to maintain a level of affordability for thirty to thirty, 30 to forty years. Uh, Macy and, K- and, uh, I
0: was just going to say, Macy Kozlinski is vice president of uh, Alliant Capital in uh, Pittsburgh. 30 to 40 years is a long... A lot can happen in 30 to 40 years, as we know from the Pittsburgh area. 40 years ago, is is there was still a very thriving uh, manufacturing culture in Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, no, it's true, Jason. I, I can't... I, I mean, it is... Um, you know, the affordability of affordable housing isn't the be-all and end-all. Mm-hmm. It's... I, you know, ideally, it's to... It's a catalyst potentially. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you have a troubled block, for instance, in any particular neighborhood, um, you know, you could start with affordable housing to sort of, and in the Lone Good housing tax credit program, to uh, stabilize a particular block. Uh, you could also utilize home ownership to do the same thing, mm-hmm. although it's harder to sell home ownership. Um, but you know, if you continue to provide only affordable housing, if we do only affordable housing as your option then you don't necessarily solve the community issues. You're just sort of moving it around. So it's, like I said, it's, community development is a complex myriad of, of problems that can't, can be fixed you know, partially by housing, but there's a whole mess of other things that have to go into it as well. You know, schooling and supportive services and jobs and you know, all of it combined really you know, makes up you know, the sort of the, the global picture of, of how you build a community.
0: Uh, Macy, if people wanted to get in touch with Alliant Capital and find out more about what they do, how would they do that?
1: Well, you know, we're not, um, we're not publicly traded, mm-hmm. okay. and we don't necessarily advertise from the standpoint of like, hey, come with us. <laughs> you know, we're, um, we're in this sort of you know, very strange space where if, you have, if you're a developer – Real estate, and you get an award of low income housing tax credits. That's when you would get a hold of us. Got it. Um, Got it. You know, or if you're selling real estate, uh, you you know we would buy real estate potentially uh, in communities, subsidized, not subsidized. We participate in opportunity zones. So wow. we're not necessarily someone on the street would want to, you know, give us a call and say, hey, what can you do for us? We don't, we don't operate that way. Um, we it would be more likely to reach out to, you know, whether it be the Redevelopment Authority of the City of Pittsburgh or Seasport or Allegheny sure. County. You know, they would be your front door. And, and various programs that they uh, implement.
0: So so I can't come down and, and open an account and get a toaster, is what you're saying?
1: Uh, yeah, there's no toaster
0: Alright, <laughs> alright. M- Macy Kieslinski, uh calls himself an affordable housing professional and champion. He is a vice president at Alliant Capital in Pittsburgh, and that's what we're talking about. They're, they're, uh, I want to keep on this definition thing for a while, because I think it's important for people to understand. Uh, I guess affordable housing, for one thing, it depends on what the end user, the the resident, the tenant can actually afford, right? So, what yeah. what is an affordable house for yeah. someone who makes a hundred thousand dollars a year is not an affordable house for someone who makes thirty thousand dollars a year.
1: You know, Jason, this is a very, very good point, and it's one that requires you know some gentle treatment. Um, and first and foremost, that you. Know, I view affordable housing in two ways, in essence. Uh, aside from what we defined earlier, we have homeownership for sale, and we have, we have rental. And so, <clears throat> sort of the basic of life. Um, I don't believe everybody is geared to be a homeowner, you know, either through their own, you know, that they don't want to, or there's just not enough disposable income. So, when we talk about affordable housing, you know, in the homeownership sense, you know, there has to be an income there. Can't be, you know that you're, you know you're not working, um, and you know that, and you, you can't, you have to be able to support even a small mortgage. Well, you're setting your, you're setting the person up
0: to fail if you put them into a house that they can't afford. Yeah, exactly. Okay.
1: Exactly, we don't want to do that. So, so you know, people who are making you know would be twenty percent of the area median income. um, You know, this would be like someone making I want to say what sixteen thousand dollars a year, maybe twenty thousand dollars a year are not going to be able to be homeowners. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition, um, on the rental side, there are provisions for people making twenty percent of the area median income on the in rental housing. It's just not a lot. Because mm-hmm. as you can imagine, um, you know, rent, those rent levels are very low. Sure. And you can't build a su- financially successful community unless they're 100% Section 8 um, with folks who are making 20% or less of the area median income. So like everything in life... Uh, Jason, we expect our affordable housing to be diverse in terms of incomes. So you'll have some folks that are very poor. You know, it could be 20% of the area median income or less. Um, and then we have some people that would be you can satisfy work working class. Um, you know, workforce housing. Someone who's working in a hospital as a technician, or is working for the school board, or working for the police department, or whoever. It doesn't really matter. But someone who's working, um, you know, and making you know a decent wage, but you know not. Bill Gates, okay? Yeah. And you know, we, we want to build housing for that too, and so the ultimate goal for most of the things that we do when it comes to building affordable apartments is we want to see that strata of incomes in in our apartment buildings.
0: And, and presumably people transition up and down that affordability ladder too, because there was a time in my life when I was making sixteen to $20,000 a year, and I was not a homeowner at that point. I was uh, renting or, or, or living with uh, a family member at that point, but I'm now on my second house so
1: people go up and down correct but they do I think um, the beautiful thing about the, the tax credit program is that it allows you to grow uh, to a certain degree I mean you can start off at one income level and you can go up to almost as uh, you can go up to hundred forty percent of area median income which would be someone making in Pittsburgh area over a hundred thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. uh, and still maintain in the, still live in the apartment complex um, so if you can never get kicked You know, it did for over being over income. Once you moved, if you were in in compliance or you were you within the proper income when you moved in, Um, so that's the good news. It's a safety, it's a safety net um, in many respects. Um, unlike if you bought a house, and and I'm a big advocate of housing for homeownership. To be honest with you, but you know, you know, if you lose your job and there's only so much you're going to be able to do um, before you know you really start. you You could potentially lose your house. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily work that way um, in a low-income housing apartments, um, although you know, if you do lose your job um, and if it's not a subsidized apartment complex, you are expected to pay rent, but I think there's you know, more opportunities to sort of, um, let's just say, maintain your housing than it would
0: be in homeownership we have to take a 30 second pause when we come back i want to talk more about how when you are looking at a project what are sort of the parameters you're looking at and also explore a little bit this idea of what makes a a healthy development for a community as you said not just moving poor people around but actually trying to come up with a mix of uses and, and incomes okay Sure. from the tube city center for business and innovation in downtown mckinney sport this is two rivers 30 minutes on radio 81 wedo 1550 and 101.1 wzum the pittsburgh Jazz Channel, Internet Radio, WMCK.FM, and TubeCityOnline.com. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Support for this broadcast comes from Strifler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Strifflers has provided compassionate, professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Strifflers offers comprehensive pre-planning services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Strifflers also provides permanent markers and memorials in stone bronze and other high quality materials learn more at com or call 412 welcome back our guest is macy Kislinski. he's a vice president at alliant capital in pittsburgh we're talking about affordable housing i i don't want to belabor the point because there's a bunch of things i want to cover but and we often hear that pittsburgh is such an affordable market you can get such a nice house here for not a lot of money so how could there be an affordable housing crisis we Supposedly, have plenty of affordable housing here.
1: You know, it's a good point. I mean, I, um, I'll just give an example that is not from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. I, yesterday, I had a uh, a conference call with one of my projects in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I was told that they opened up. It was a twenty-six unit um, affordable housing rental housing project. It had income housing tax credits. Uh, when they opened up their online site to accept applications, right? It was only open for two days before they had to shut it down. They had 1,200 applicants for 26 units. Oh, my. Something's not right. Something's not right. And so I've not seen that kind of volume in Pittsburgh, but that just illustrates that, you know, people are desperate for clean, safe, affordable housing, good quality, affordable housing. And so, yes, you know, you can find an abundance of housing. And I don't necessarily, I'm not a real estate agent. I don't do what they do. And I'm probably not qualified to say what I'm about to say, but I have heard that, you know, we have an Allegheny County bubble, Okay, basically and that uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff within Allegheny County that just seems to be continuing to increase in value. But I would say, you know, if you just look at in Keysport in particular, um, you know, you, that same largesse isn't flowing that way. Right. Um, so it's, you know, I think in performing markets and we're going to see post COVID could spell a completely different picture uh, for, you know, what may take place next. So who knows, you know, there's been this demographic shift from the suburbs, uh, you know, and I remember when I started as an intern at the Bloomfield Garfield Corporation, mm-hmm. the, the white flight sure. that they were trying to recover from, uh, and the complete abandonment of this inner city neighborhood um, was then replaced twenty years later. Reversed, you're saying, Jason? You know, yeah, rever- uh, completely reversed. Right. Um, and why? Why? Uh, and i think the answer is is that you know you had some infrastructure there being the bloomfield garfield corporation which is a community development corporation that was doing triage on a, you know, basically annual, uh, every single year, they kept on, you know, four units, housing units for sale here, maybe a few rental units right. there. They were just trying to shore up blocks. And eventually that paid off when the demographic shift and people, uh, children or younger generation, whatever generation that is, just said, you know, hey, we're going to, we want to live in urban areas. We don't, you know, where all the action is. We don't want to live in the suburbia. Um, who knows after COVID what that's going to look like. So we'll see.
0: Let, let me throw a little bit of a curveball at you. Uh, Macy Kislinski is uh, Vice President of, of Alliant Capital in Pittsburgh. We're talking about affordable housing. What, one of the things that often gets discussed in these Mon Valley communities, I'll also put the Ohio Valley into this because uh, some folks listen to us on 88.1 in Bethany, West Virginia. Um, but one thing that often gets thrown is, you know, the city of McKeesport over the last few years has torn down 300 affordable houses. The mayor this month at City Council said there's probably or torn down excuse me 300 abandoned houses the mayor has said there's probably another hundred abandoned houses that need to be torn down north braddock braddock homestead uh any of the communities up and down the valley have these problems with abandoned houses so something that often gets thrown when these demolition lists get put out in a city like mckee's border Duquesne is well why not give these abandoned houses to someone who needs a house there if its problem is solved what what are the challenges there
1: it's interesting uh, <laughs> been through that uh when i've worked for one of the, they uh, work for the city of pittsburgh i, I you know we talked about those sorts of things here's the issue right you know you could take the approach okay Mrs. smith uh you need a house right mm-hmm. uh we're here's this house that's been vacant, vacant and abandoned um and it's you can you can live there um forget about code issues or construct you can live there Okay, so she, Mrs. Smith lives there. The wiring's not up to date, doesn't work. The plumbing doesn't work. It's got lead-based paint. The next thing you you've got a, basically a quagmire that's not safe, decent, affordable housing. Safe, decent, affordable housing is hard, not easy. So, there's, so I, to me, just to give people houses with, you know, then you start getting into, okay, well, Jason, what's next? right yeah. oh, well okay we we're, we're going to take the, the property so this is america still right. so you know people who own that to take a piece of property even though it's been vacant for 30 years, you know, property rights are hard to renege. And that process in the state of Pennsylvania is arduous for a reason, because no one wants to, for you to walk in and say, you know, Jason, if I walked in and I walked, knocked on your door and I posted a letter on your house and said, you know what, um, in 30 days there's going to be a treasure sale yeah. and we're going to take your house.
0: Yeah,
1: It doesn't, can't work that way. Um, so, it, you know, by its definition is difficult. So I think, you know, you, we should just – so that whole premise of like, oh, we've got all these abandoned houses, we should, you know, give it to people it doesn't, just, just toss it out. That that's just doesn't make sense. Now, this all being said, there is no good answer. Right. Um, I've seen the demolition program in Larimer in -hmm. particular, where the city of Pittsburgh demolished blocks and blocks of housing. And you would you had these football field size urban, you know, you know, fields that were sometimes maintained, sometimes not maintained. It makes the neighborhood feel like missing teeth.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: And it doesn't necessarily help. I've seen it where they did uh, in the city of Pittsburgh, a side yard program. With some success, Mm -hmm. um, you know, where a a neighbor would say, okay, you know, Mrs. Jones, here's the vacant lot that's next to you. We tore down the house. You know, you can have the property or you can maintain it. We'll do a lease or transfer it over to you. And that seems to work pretty well.
0: Allegheny County has what they call, I think, the the vacant property recovery program. And the city of McKeesport does the same thing with, with side yards, yeah. Right.
1: And I think that has some benefit to it. You know, as you well know, that in Pittsburgh, you know, in Pittsburgh and Allegheny County, we've got these weird lot configurations. Mm -hmm. A lot of of yeah. So you know, you could have a side yard that could really be three three lots instead of one. And be that as it may, so you know, I think urban farming is another possibility that makes a lot of sense. I know they did that in Braddock, and it's you know, I think that's a great idea. You know, if you could do that with greenhouses as well, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, But you know, ultimately the prize of doing anything that's going to bring a community back has to be a combination of home ownership and affordable rental and, mar- and moderate income rental and market rate. It has, to, it has to fit for everybody. We can't do affordable housing to the exclusion of everybody else, and we can't do market rate or workforce housing to the exclusion of everybody else.
0: As you said, you fill them all up with people who are at the same low income level.
1: Right. No, it doesn't work. It's identical and it's horrible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so I think, you know, but remember, I, you know, what we haven't talked about here, Jason, is what, and one of the things that I find to be that no one focuses in on because you can't you can't touch it. It's not tangible is supportive services. Uh, and it's providing uh, you know, tenants um, and homeowners and people in communities to real services, real access to services that they may not have access to. And I think that's a problem in the Mond Valley in particular uh, and some low-income communities that have been abandoned. You know, they might have been built around one particular industry, and when that industry falters, you've got nothing left. And trying to connect those residents who remain to you know, proper services is really critical. No one talks about it. Why? It's not sexy. You can't, you can't see it, but the need is, is astronomical. So, you know, if we describe that we've got to build communities or revitalize communities with, on the strata of incomes, right, making opportunities for everybody, not just, you know, one group to the exclusion of all the others, we have to spend an equal amount of time and money on supportive services and providing services to areas, um, to, you know, where they don't exist. Now, what do I mean by this? If you live in, you know, a healthy community, for instance, one of the things about Garfield that, you know, was always kind of interesting is Garfield is close proximity to um, a giant hospital system. Not just one, but two. And the fact that it was was faltering for so long, when eds and meds started to take over after the steel industry dropped, Um, you know, you saw this sort of, you know, also, I think it took a little bit of time, but you saw this natural conversion uh, to wanting to live closer to work. Uh, And so because where work was changed, Um, that probably led to a whole cascade of other things. And so, um, you know, I I think, you know, in other communities that don't have access to those services, uh, retail shopping, you know, we don't want to be in food deserts. Mm -hmm. Um, Access to medical care, access to jobs, Access to public transportation, um, you know, it, it, in, uh, so when I say access to public transportation, I mean not I have to walk a mile to the bus stop, but, you know, within a block. Uh, if you need to get a driver's license, if you need after-school assistance, if you need all the things that, you know, a lot of us take for granted in life. Um, you, know, that, you know, this is the kind of thing that a lot of communities that have been in, uh, like the Mon Valley in particular, um, you know, tend to struggle with. On a, on a daily basis, and it's very, very hard to solve. Very hard. And we see it. Yeah. We see it in the Hill District. It's a prime example. Jason is the Shop and Save yeah. um, that was built in mm-hmm. Hill District, uh, and I was there at the opening, and a lot of people had a lot of hope for it, yep. and I did as well. I mean, uh, but for whatever reason, you know, people playing the operator, people say that, um, well, you can't change people's shopping habits, because, uh, but that it didn't last. So, you know, it's easy to say, you know, okay, if we bring the mountain to Muhammad, then mm-hmm. everything will be fine, It's but it, there's no, there are no guarantees, so... It's 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 like I said, community development is very very difficult.
0: Uh Macy Kizlenski is vice president at Alliant Capital in Pittsburgh. We have a few more minutes. We're talking about affordable housing and community development. It, it, we have only a few minutes and if we could solve this next problem in just the few minutes we have left, then we you would be eligible for a for a Nobel Peace Prize or something. But how does one duplicate what the transformation that we've seen in a place such as Bloomfield Garfield or a place such as Lawrenceville where 20 years ago or, or even 15 years ago people did not want to go to and now housing values are through the roof. There's new commercial development. Um, these are hot neighborhoods in the city of Pittsburgh. How do we bring some of that down to areas such as Duquesne and McKeesport and you're familiar with those because I, we talked off the air about how you use the bicycle trail uh, through the Mon Valley. How do, how do we replicate some of this?
1: I mean Lawrenceville. People look at Lawrenceville and say, "Oh my God, look, taking place. It's like a miracle." No, it's not a miracle. And Lawrenceville took 30 years. Garfield took 30 years to sort of get where they are today. And I go back to what I said earlier: is it was not. Driven by some, you know, demographic shift that's accelerated today. But for the last twenty-five years, or okay, maybe twenty years, um, you know, you had a commu- an active community development corporation that was focused on not only housing but commercial development. As we, as I've been saying, is that they were focusing on the the overall landscape of development in the community, which is you know, some market rate housing, stabilizing the commercial corridor, even when it came down to sort of even buying storefronts and mothballing and holding, okay. um, making, and, and so I think that's some of the stuff that uh, if, you know, the Mon Valley could potentially replicate, um, you know, that's sort of where it is. You've got to focus in on the commercial corridor, at residential, and see. But I think there's also something to be said where, you know, it, it's not going to be the same for ev- everywhere we go. Mm-hmm. It's just not. And I don't think all neighborhoods are created equal, unfortunately. And I, I can't say if you do this magic pill here, it, you know, because it worked in Lawrenceville or Bloomfield or the city of Pittsburgh, it's going to work, you know, in Wilmerding. Yeah. And so, you know, and I think that's the lesson is that the solution for Wilmerding got to be, you know, routed or grounded in, where Wilmer, in, in Wilmerding's needs. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's not going to be the same as, as Lawrenceville.
0: Uh, You call yourself, we have just maybe a minute or two left, you call yourself an affordable housing champion. How does one, if someone's listening to this, whether they are an elected official or they're just an interested citizen... Or they may be a small business owner uh, themselves, and, and they think about these problems. You know, they drive past the same empty storefronts in McKeesport or Duquesne or North Braddock that we all drive past, and they, they think about these problems. How can they make themselves into affordable housing champions? What what can they do on their own little level?
1: I find that you know, people who, um, you know, really comes down to Jason zoning in particular. I, you know, people say, oh, they're going to build that affordable housing. There's a lot of nimbyism that goes on. People that we, when you build a tax credit development in any community, um, the folks that we're bringing to that table are your neighbors.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're the silent neighbors you don't see. They, they, they could be they could be actually you know uh, you know sort of uh, patronizing the local businesses. You know they're the folks you know, they have limited incomes, but they're still there. And all we're trying usually trying to do is provide them with better quality high quality affordable housing and usually with some services and so there's this fear that you know you know we can't build that kind of real estate for for people we shouldn't be doing that but i think the fact of the matter is is that you know there shouldn't be that much fear in that but but i would say that if you start seeing developments that are to the exclusion of everybody else there's not this mix of incomes then i think you've got you know, then I think people should be aware. But I think as a ch- to become a champion for affordable housing is to become a champion of community development, to be a champion of how do we improve our neighborhood and sustain our neighborhood. Art, and that's that comes close because no community stand is stagnant, right? We you have we have to evolve, and anybody who wants to bury their head in the sand is going to get left behind. So I would say that you know to the, anybody out there who's interested, they should just you know. It, Get involved with a community development corporation that might be in your local community or even reaching out to uh, the mayor's office or their staff's office and seeing where you can make a difference. Because even cleaning up side yards or yeah. you know, helping out with a community development corporation through, you know, either canvassing or volunteer work goes a long, long way.
0: We, we've been talking with Macy Kizlinski. He's vice president at Alliant Capital. Macy, thank you for taking some time to talk with us this morning. You're quite welcome. Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McHugh Sport. So long for now.